This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, and Tinsley Law and Title. Their sponsorship makes it possible for me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by visiting each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael with Hannigan Media and I am in the offices of Athens ISD where I'm actually in the office of Superintendent Dr. Janie Sims and I'm here today because kids are going to be back in class on Monday and we all know 2020 is not a normal year and so we have some things we need to talk about. Uh, Dr. Sims, thank you for letting us into your office. And you have a friend with us to, to talk with us today as well. I do, Michael. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you. Uh, and thank you for uh, the opportunity for us to, to have a chance to get some information out to our, our parents in the community. Uh, yes, you're right. We're having students come in person on Monday. We've been doing remote learning for, for a week and a half now, but this coming Monday, we'll have a good many students coming in person. And so um, there have been some questions from community members and parents about what our protocols are are and what will be what they can expect from the school district uh, if and when they're more than likely if or when there are positive cases and what we'll be doing about that and notifications and those kinds of things and and things that we're going to put in place to mitigate that as much as possible so uh, my, my, my guest and my friend is Ginger Morrison who's currently our uh, director of human resources and federal programs and uh, under her umbrella of things that she has um, overseen is um, nurses and health and safety and that kind of thing and so it just naturally fell to her uh, this year along with her uh, human resources responsibilities with staffing that uh, she would be the point person for all things related to COVID. And Ms. Morrison you must have been very happy. <laughs> very happy yes sir. Yes sir. <laughs> because one thing we know about 2020 and COVID is that it, everything is easy to understand, never changes, is very right. clear-cut and and easy to take care of right simple simple of course um okay for for those of you who are listening we call that sarcasm <laughs> back where i come from so um one of the reasons we're here to talk about is because there has been some confusion in the community about what exactly um the school district is going to do and how it's going to handle having kids back in class along with COVID. Um, and you've put out a book, actually, to help parents understand that. Uh, Ms. Morrison, would you tell us about that book and what's in there? And, and I say book, it's 55 pages. It's pretty close to a book. So tell <laughs> yes. us about that. Yes, sir. We've put out, it's called a Return to School Handbook. It is uh, found on our website. So anyone can go and access it from our website. It is updated often. I actually have lost count of how many updates I've already made because anytime the CDC or TEA releases new information, I of course go change it in our, our handbook. Um, our handbook covers anything from uh, how we are going to sanitize the school, how we are going to uh, mitigate to keep our students and staff safe, 
how we're going to respond to anyone that is symptomatic, how we're going to respond to positives. Um, it lists the symptoms, which they seem to be updating daily as well, but it, it has an array of information that anyone can go and read about. Okay, so we're going to get into some of the specifics of what's in there, but we're going to say this time and time again, and you just hit on it a few times, but remember folks, this is as of now, um, because these uh, guidelines change, uh, the CDC comes up with something new, TEA comes up with something new, and it comes down to AISD, and the school district has to make a change. Uh, so what we want to say is that this document, this book, is, is like a living document. It changes, and so it's something that parents should get used to checking on on a regular basis. Yes, sir. I would say multiple times a week. Um, we don't get notification from TEA or CDC when they change things, so I have to go back often. And so as soon as I see something that has been changed, I update our book, push it out to the campuses, and then they, in turn, can communicate to staff and students. And some of the things you're talking about, I know we talked about just in the last few weeks, um, they, they uh, changed what symptoms yes, sir. to be looking for, things like that, right? Yes, sir. Symptoms and close contact, definition of close contact. Uh, they change definitions often, and so we have to update it because those are the specifics that we will follow. All right, so uh, point number one of this entire podcast is to remember there is a handbook to uh, follow for parents. It's out there, and it's being updated anytime there is a change. So make sure to be checking out that handbook. You can get it on the website. I know I've seen it also on the Facebook page. Are there some specific places that, that you have that that we know of? I was just going to remind our the listeners that, that if they don't know the address, it, it's www.athensisd.net. Okay. So it's easily it's it's easily accessible on Athensisd.net again too. I know it's on the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I, that's where I think I found my link to it. Uh, pretty quickly so I could look at it this morning before we came uh, before I came here okay so we have this document out and so uh, I guess the big thing is it's going to tell us what um, what you're going to do to try and keep COVID down and keep the spread down and what to do if there is a positive case now you and I Dr. Sims spoke about what we're going to do to try and keep the spread down in our last podcast. And if I remember right, it was things like uh, kids would be uh, washing hands twice a day uh, at least while someone watched them. That's correct, yes. Uh, there's going to be social distancing. Yes. There's going to be masks required. Um, I know that anytime anybody either gets on a bus, comes into school, going to be checking their temperature, correct? That's yes. correct. All right, so what is that temperature that if someone has, it's, it's a problem? Temperature is 100.4, and what that indicates for us is that we will then recheck it by mouth because we are just scanning temperatures. Just hitting their forehead yes, as they sir. go by. Yes, sir. And then if it reads 100.4, then our nurses will check them further uh, to analyze and see what's the next steps that we need to take. Now, that's if they're in school. What if they're getting on a bus? Well, if they're getting on the bus, 100.4 is going to have to go back home because we don't have the ability to, to check it 
any further stepping on the bus. So we have put out some communication to the parents, you know, to be sure and, and make sure that they're there for the buses because I know sometimes younger students go with older siblings and so we need parents to be sure and be around so that when we scan and check temperatures, we can talk with the parents right then. And that's really important. It sounds like it's going to be very important for parents to check their own child before they leave for school so that they know yes. these things ahead of time. It really is, Michael, because in the past, which is it's just our, it's our habit, in the past many children would just walk to the bus stop or parents might drop them off at the bus stop and, and, and not need to stay with them. But in this particular year, we really need our parents to partner with us in this. Uh, because we, we, we don't want to get in a situation where we have a student who we can't allow on the bus, but there's no parent there to take them back home. So we just really need to partner together on this to keep everybody safe. All right, so you're going to be checking temperatures coming in. We're going to be doing the social distancing, the masks, and the hand washing, which, by the way, every time I talk to any doctor, they tell me those three over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I, I know you've also... Um, there, there's some organization that's been done where kids will be going between classes in hallways. Mrs. Morrison, what are you guys doing that way? We've actually marked our hallways where we can have directional. Uh, one side will travel one direction, another side on the other direction. Um, as you know and probably read in the, the handbook, all students ages 10 and over are required to wear a mask, which adds another layer of protection. And then our staff will be out in hallways keeping those lines moving and keeping them socially distanced as much as possible and keeping that time frame because the close contact time frame, you know, specifically names 15 minutes, um, a cumulative time of 15 minutes. So we will try to ensure that we continue uh, students moving down the hallways. So when you mention that, you're talking about what it takes to be a contact. So if someone does uh, come down positive with COVID, if another student has been within six feet of that student uh, for, for 15 minutes, cumulative, um, um, talking and all that, then that person will be considered being having contacted someone who is positive. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, which seems like a lot of stuff to keep track of. Yes, sir. I, I, you uh, you getting any help with any of this? You have anybody on your team here? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I have the nurses on each campus. They are helping as well as the attendance clerks. I'm sure we will have to go uh, far farther reaching than that, just simply because it's going to be a daunting task. Um, whenever you, you do have someone that starts symptoms and you start the questioning and then you start investigating close contact, it's a lot of information to take down. But all the nurses are already doing a wonderful job of keeping that data and tracking that. Okay, so first step as we're talking about this, or let's go back just to make sure that we're, we're keeping pace with, with uh, what we're covering. There is a handbook people can get a hold of, parents can get a hold of and read and see what's going on. It gets updated all the time so make sure you're checking it because COVID is a fluid situation. Number two, if your child is coming here to Athens ISD, number one, they will get their temperature uh, taken at some point along the way, whether it's getting on the bus or whether it's walking in the door. And if their uh, temp is too high, um, you may have to have your, you may be taking your child back. Um, There will be masks there will be hand washing, there will be social distancing, and in the hallways, and I'm sure we will have staff out in the hallways making sure that it's flowing, that people stay on their side, 
that we don't have the normal congregation that you would see um, in, a, in, a, in a normal, say, middle school hallway. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't really covered that's a main piece of that part of the puzzle? I would, and Ms. while Ms. Morrison's thinking, I would just uh, remind our, our, par our parents who have children under the age of 10, you know, masks are not required, but we certainly encourage them because that's just another added layer of protection against that close contact definition with our little ones. And from what we're hearing from the majority of, of folks is there, I, I think a lot of our little ones are gonna have them, are gonna have them on as well. Okay, so you have how many students coming to class on Monday? We have roughly 50% of our student population. And your student population is? 3,200. So you've got 1,600 kids coming to school on Monday. I am not trying to be pessimistic, but <laughs> I am going to say somebody is going to be positive with COVID at some time. What happens when a student does end up with a positive test? When a student ends up with a positive test, we immediately start the process of uh, contact tracing. Um, we have to go back two days prior to the positive test that they received, and we have to start investigating all classrooms from pre-K all the way through high school, have seating arrangements so that we can at least um, try to, to trace that. Um, and so we will start that process. And of course, we're gonna have to lean on students and teachers information to see if they come within that close contact definition because we have to start there because not every case is going to have necessarily a close contact um, person that's been around them. And so once we uh, get all of that information, we actually contact anyone that falls in that definition. Um, I, I or the nurse will contact them personally and have a discussion with them before any other information goes out. If a student is on a certain campus, then we will send a generic letter out to the campus. But prior to that, we will have already had conversations with anyone that fits the close contact definition. Okay, so you're going to be talking to the people who are close contact. But that means if my child is in a class where someone is positive, I might not necessarily get notification because if my child is in the front of row one and the child who is positive is in the back row of the last row and they don't interact. Mm -hmm. If they're not close contacts, I might not hear about it. Well, the campus will get notification, yeah, you'll get, but, but a general you, notification, right. but you will get specific notification. Yes, okay. you're absolutely correct. Specific notification could go to that student sitting close by, whereas if a student was in the front sure. of the classroom, just the gen generic letter sure. will go. Yes. Sure, okay. Because I'm just thinking as a, as a parent, I could see that being mm -hmm. something sure. that would of confuse concern. a sure. parent, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if you have you know, 20 children in a classroom and five of them, five parents get contacted that someone in the class was positive and the other 15 do not get a notification that someone in that particular case was positive. I could see some parents getting upset. Mm -hmm. And so the reason for this is, number one, I would guess, because um, you've got privacy rules yes. with health issues. Absolutely to start plus there's also what we talked about before just the sheer numbers of trying to contact that many people yes sir you're correct okay if we get into a situation where we just are not not positive that we can 
nail down the close contact, then everyone would be notified in that setting. Yes. Okay. Right, because the most important thing is the safety of all That's kids. That's correct. And so that would be what it is. All right, so there is definitely a process here of what's going on. Uh, tell me what happens. So um, my child tests positive and gets sent home. Now, this is one of those situations, the, the, the weird part about COVID is I have a student that has no symptoms, but has a positive test. What does it take before, I mean, is there a difference between how that child gets back into class and a child who is actually sick and get back into class? What's, what's the rule for getting back into school? Well, there's no difference in the asymptomatic and symptomatic. Okay. Um, the first one rule for everybody, one, regardless of positive. how sick they are. Yeah, that's positive. That's positive. Yes, sir. Um, I have been receiving doctor's orders that um, have them stay out for the 14-day period. But what the CDC guidelines say, if you don't receive doctor's orders, then you have to, you have three things that have to happen. If you've had fever, you have to have 24 hours fever-free without any medication. You have to have improved symptoms if you've had symptoms. And then the last thing is that you must be out 10 days after either the symptoms began or that you tested positive. Okay. So you can either go through those three, which are listed in the handbook. Yes, sir. Or you can get a doctor, a, a, a regular doctor who certifies this is how long they need to be out. Yes, sir. Okay, one of those two ways to get in. And it doesn't matter whether I have symptoms or not, that's the process to get back into school. Yes, sir. Correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And that's one of the weird things about COVID that's confused so many people. It and is, because it, some of them don't have symptoms. Right. I mean, you, some people are positive and have no symptoms, and other people are positive and are so sick, symptom. it takes weeks and weeks for them to get better. Um, and it makes it very difficult to try and make any kind of uh, widespread blanket statements about, about the disease. It really makes it difficult. Um, all right, so what about if it's, a, if it's a child who's a contact but not, wasn't positive themselves? So my child has a friend, their friend was positive, my child was in close contact. Now what happens with my child? They have the 14-day quarantine. And so they have to have quarantine for 14 days and our nurses uh, on the campus will be in contact with that child and that parent and we will um, explain all of that then towards middle of the 14 day and towards the end of the 14 day we make contact with them again just to make sure if they've started showing any symptoms but they must stay out for 14 days now will these students be able to go to school virtually during this time absolutely so so that's been our goal all along is so that we can seamlessly transition back and forth because this potentially could just go on for months right. you know okay. and we hope I, not I will, yeah I want to get into that next <laughs> yeah so before we leave this issue though what we've talked about now is we've talked about okay what's going to happen individually to a student or to the contacts around a student if someone is positive did we miss anything about that process 
Well, I would like to mention that because we talked a lot about positive, yes. but we do have a lot that show symptoms. And so before they even get to the positive, the symptoms are, anyone showing a symptom is going to be required to, to do one of two things. They either have to stay out and have the three areas that I mentioned before, fever-free, improved symptoms, or 10 days, or they must go to the doctor and get an alternate diagnosis or, um, and I've gone blank, I'm so sorry. Right, they go to the doctor and say, I have strep throat, I don't have yes. COVID. They have, or a negative test. Or a sorry, negative but test. Like, why yeah. would I forget that? One thing too I wanted to mention now, um, I, I believe I read that these are lab, sir, these are lab tests, they're not the rapid test, correct? correct. Yes, sir, and our book does explain there are some uh, uh, resources here in town that do the lab confirmed I'm sure there's more but it is the lab confirmed test okay so that means that okay I know the rapid test there, there's some there's some things with the rapid test but those will not be accepted no, sir. must be the lab confirmed which means it's going to take a few days yes sir. I mean it just is it's going to take a few days to get those tests all right so let's move on now we've talked about again to, re, to rehash real quick, we talked about the handbook that's on the website that people should check out and that will be updated. We talked about what you're going to be doing inside the school to try and uh, mitigate the spread. We've talked about now what we're going to do if a child turns positive, and we've talked about the children specifically, like like in a in a micro sense. But let's talk a macro sense with the school as a whole. Um, I know that you uh, just got, you're just getting over two weeks of virtual learning. It sounds like at least half of your students have, um, or parents have chosen to keep their students in that process. Um, my guess is that even if it isn't within semester, from semester to semester, that's going to change as this goes. So. What is it you're trying to accomplish with this kind of hybrid virtual and real and kids might be here or there? You know, um, I'm really, um, really pleased that we opted to go with the, uh, the remote learning situation first. It's given us um, two weeks to, to iron out some technology issues and things of that nature. I, I think 50% or a little more of our student population coming back on Monday is also a good test for us. Uh, I know some other neighboring districts have much higher numbers of in-person and some don't as much, but at 50%, this will be a good test for us to be sure we can create the environment where they're socially distanced and do all of those things. But in the best of circumstances and if we do everything absolutely correct you know there's likely to be some situations and so if we have to go into a, a situation where we have a number of positive tests in a classroom or on a campus or a grade level where we have to shut down a, a segment or a portion the beauty of that of, of our remote situation is that the students can just they've all they all have devices We've, we've surveyed and every student that says they need one at home has, been, has received one and hotspots for internet access. And so uh, they should be able to just automatically be at home and enter into the remote instructional situation. My hope is, and I think our whole 
nation's hope is that as, as we go to the next grading cycle, when the parents have the ability to choose again whether they want remote or in person, that we'll be able to have more students come back in person and we will have had this length of time to, to do everything we can, so to speak, and trial and error and figure out that, hey, we're doing this well and maybe not this as well, uh, that each, each grading period that we'll have more and more come back in person. Well, in the whole, the whole uh, history of COVID, the whole time we've had COVID, it's been a matter of go a month, now we have that more in, that information mm -hmm. that we didn't have before, mm -hmm. and so this month is a little different. Now we have two months worth of information right. that changes the third month. And, and there's I'm always sure, the vaccine out there. And there's the always potential. the vaccine out there and the potential. And every, uh, uh, every month physicians are getting better at treating the illness. Um, and so some outcomes are getting better. Um, yeah, all of that is going on. What about the idea of shutting down like entire campuses or entire the entire school district? I know I've seen... You know, that's something that's happened in different places um, where that's had to occur. From what you just said, what I, what I heard was you're going to try and keep that more uh, localized. For instance, if you've got a problem on the middle school campus that, okay, we may shut down the middle school campus for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean the entire school district has to shut down. Correct. And that's... The plan right that's exactly right okay so that means you guys are going to have to be um assessing constantly on a daily if not more basis in order to to make some of these changes this is going to be this is going to be a communications challenge it is. i would really think to communicate between the school district and the parents in the community about what's happening on any given day. Exactly. And I, so I envision uh, this year more than any other year, we, we just, again, we have to have that close partnership with the parents between the school district and the parents. And we want to be as transparent as possible. Uh, we are doing everything on the backside here to make sure that we've got everything in place. But we want to assure our parents that we will, we will notify them absolutely when it's appropriate for them to be notified. And each situation, it varies by situation. Yes, I could see a situation where, um, you mentioned middle school, if we had to shut down the middle school, for example, well, they, there might be a sibling at one of our elementaries, but that sibling in the elementary might only be confined to a single classroom. Mm -hmm. So it might not, you know, the outcome might not be that we have to shut down both of those, but we might have to shut down that classroom. A, a classroom. Right. So it'll definitely be on a case-by-case -case basis. So we will communicate often uh, on Facebook and on our website and podcasts, etc. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that internally you guys have to be doing daily meetings, I mean, even like morning and night meetings, okay? What's the COVID situation? Yeah, we talk often. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's got to be, be an interesting part of that. Um, and so again, those, I would think those communications with parents with communities the community is going to have to be um, really ramped up especially in these first few weeks coming back yeah uh, watch the Athens ISD Facebook page watch the website please 
Uh, Athens ISD also has an active Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you check out there as well if, if that's where you happen to reside um, because you can find all kinds of good information on any of these sites. All right, so we have gone over, and uh, guys, I've done this on purpose this way, but if you haven't noticed, I've mentioned the handbook 12 times. <laughs> there is a handbook. <laughs> that explains everything about the COVID rules for Athens ISD. It's on their website. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you read it. And don't just look at it once and never go back because, hey, this is COVID and the rules change. And so you wanna make sure that you keep up with that. Um, and the things that you'll see coming out of your student who come to school is gonna be the same things you already know, which is, Wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands, and if you're sick, don't come to school. Same, same thing you've been hearing all along. It's not changed. Um, the last thing I'm going to say before we get out of here, though, is uh, a lot of what's going on here is Athens ISD reacting, not reacting, but implementing guidelines that have come down from the state level. So, because I know that even today, we still have a real debate in our community whether COVID really is a thing or not. I mean, we have people in our community today who still think this entire podcast was useless because COVID isn't real. Whether that is a fact or not. The truth of the matter is these guidelines are coming down from the state and Athens ISD can't function without following these guidelines. Am I correct? That's absolutely correct. But, but even, even beyond that, it, it, we are charged with the, the most, preci most precious possession that anyone has and that's their children. And so we, we can do no less than our absolute best. If this, and when the state puts these guidelines in place, then we, we have to do our part to follow that to make sure that our children are safe and to make sure that our staff is safe. I have no idea how we could finish this podcast any better. So on that note, thank you, Dr. Sims. Thank you, Ms. Morrison, for taking the time. Uh, good luck as kids come back. Uh, I can't wait for a successful year. By the way, uh, sports starts. Yes. Kids are playing volleyball. Yes, and, and doing uh, well. And doing well. And uh, next Friday, Brownsboro coming to Bruce Field. That's right. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Friends, school's back. Mm -hmm.